1: It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15.
0: Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional sport water bottle, and that steamy bee treat. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. Feel
1: like there's never enough nuance? Go to PantsuitPoliticsShow.com and sign up for our weekly emails. Every Saturday morning, Sarah and I will send you our weekly episodes, new blog posts, and articles that we're reading. Again, PantsuitPoliticsShow.com and sign up for our weekly emails.
0: This week is bringing us a revised executive order on immigration, WikiLeaks exposing alleged CIA documents, and more craziness out of Washington.
1: We'll share our thoughts on the news of the week and listener feedback in this episode of The Briefcase. This is Sarah from the left. And Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance.
0: Before we jump into the news, we're working on several exciting projects at Pantsuit Politics, and we wanted to keep our community informed. So our book proposal is almost complete, and we really want to do a live event now that we've sort of got that out into the universe. We're thinking about testing the waters with maybe a live event online, maybe Facebook Live. Let us know if you'd be interested in calling into Pantsuit Politics with questions or concerns or just some things you want to share. <laughs> um, also, we'd like to do a live event in 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 the real life, in real life, like in front of real people. Um, but we're really struggling with where maybe to do that. So Nashville, Cincinnati, Lexington, these are all cities close to both Beth and I. So if you have any ideas, or better yet, a venue that could work that would be affordable or free, please give us a shout out and we'll start working on a live event.
1: So we'll move into the news of the week. This wasn't a huge piece of the news, all things considered, but I was really curious, Sarah, about your thoughts on the candidate for governor in Arizona, Noah Dyer, who posted a very transparent statement about his sex life on his website. Our listener, Mary, shared this with us. He talked about how he has been involved in like he basically likes to have sex he likes to have group sex he likes to have sex with married women like it is very explicit and he kind of put it under a tab that he labeled scandal and just got it all out there and i was fascinated by this
0: well i mean i think that he is less a politician at this point than I've heard him described as an, an, an anti-privacy activist. Like he did a thing where he was going to film his life for 24-7 uh, for a whole year on Kickstarter and try to get that started. So, I mean, I think this guy believes in total transparency, and that is admirable, much like our other newsmaker this week, Julian Assange. I'm not sure how much I subscribe to the idea of total transparency. Um, But I do remember vividly having a this was when I was in law school and we were at Harvard for I think the Democratic Law Students like convention and this long term, long, long time Democratic Party guy. I don't remember his name, Fred something. He stood up and he was basically like, people are forgiving, but you have to be honest with them. You have to tell them you have to apologize. You have to get it out of the way. So, I mean, hey, this is one approach. This guy's taking it to the extreme. But I think that other politicians could benefit from perhaps a uh, less extreme example of that, where you're just honest about yourself and your flaws instead of trying to hide it. Anthony Weiner.
1: I mean, I think there are a couple of things here. One is that Maybe this kind of transparency could help us all realize that we don't need to know this level of information Word. about people and we don't need to react so strongly to it when it comes out. The other thing is, it illustrates sort of the trouble with transparency. So, in the HuffPo article about this guy, he talks about how he considered kind of disclosing everything except the married woman part. And then he realized that if he disclosed everything but that part, Now he's a liar, right? It's not like, gosh, he went a lot farther in disclosure than anybody ever would have asked him. It's he omitted something. And so Mm. what else is he omitting? And that's kind of the trouble with turning all the lights on everywhere, because there's always going to be a light somewhere that you forget about or you choose not to turn on. And and then it seems even worse. So I think it is really relevant when you start thinking about WikiLeaks, because Mm -hmm. what you know often causes you to think more about what you don't know than you might have before.
0: Well, and I think as we are clearly moving into the WikiLeaks portion of our programming,
1: so just to catch everybody up,
0: WikiLeaks um, released the um, massive document dump with regards to the CIA, um, alleging that the CIA was using smartphones and smart televisions um, to spy on American citizens, and then they also – so WikiLeaks released – oh, and then they said that this technology had been stolen. Did I leave anything out?
1: Well, and the part that the sort of far right-wing, dare I say, conspiracy theorists are pulling out of this is that the CIA has the capability of leaving trails that that make it look like other governments have done work that the CIA has done. Mm. So –
0: I mean, I think, you know, what the guy in Arizona raises and what Julian Assange advocates is this total transparency. And I think it's worth asking ourselves, is that what we want? Like when Julian Assange, I was looking up some of his beginning sort of essays and statements. And I mean, he's definitely a conspiracy theorist. He believes that authoritarian governments, corporations, terrorist groups, political parties are conspiracies that hoard secret information. And so this is a quote. Leaks cut these groups open like a double-edged knife, empowering the public with privileged information while spreading confusion among the conspirators themselves. If leaking were made easy, Assange argued, conspiratorial organizations would be gripped by paranoia, leaving transparent groups to flourish. And I guess my biggest problem with him is I think that it is falsely binary to and unrealistic to think that the only choice in any organization is total transparency or conspiracy theories like i just i know it's hard to piece out and i know the complexity of that is sort of the paradox of being both protecting information and being transparent while trying to lead people or or whatever your organization's goal is is difficult and that's not to say that it doesn't get abused but i think that you know I, i i'm just not a um a sort of and I'm an intense person, but not an intensely black and white person in the way that Julian Assange is. And so I just really struggle with that approach, that the only answer and the only way to protect ourselves is total transparency with regards to information.
1: Well, we're not totally we're not protecting ourselves if trans if transparency happens through um, involuntary means. Mm I think a lot of people who advocate for total transparency and who are big fans of WikiLeaks see it as a pathway to freedom, right? But it's not freedom if you aren't voluntarily making those disclosures. Right. I think in the corporate context, I'm always an advocate for transparency because I have learned the very hard way several times that when people don't know what's really going on, they decide what it could be and they'll always Mm -hmm. choose something worse than the reality. Always. Right. Which is a lot of what's happening, I think, with Donald Trump right now. It could be that there's all this smoke, but because there isn't real transparency, we think there's a bigger fire than what exists, right? So I always think an investigation, the release of tax returns, whatever, usually transparency solves a problem (laughs) that people have decided must be worse than it is when that transparency doesn't exist. But what WikiLeaks and Julian Assange are doing... Is the opposite of freedom in my mind. I mean, I think it's the theft of information and such an invasion of privacy that I don't even know where to begin. And I understand the purpose and I understand that sometimes leaking is necessary to expose things that would not otherwise be exposed. But I think there is a moral balancing act to be had there that is really significant. And I also think the legalities of our privacy, and this is something you've said several times, Sarah really need to be addressed so that we're not all making that calculus on our own.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, and I don't and I just refuse to believe the only way
0: to like the only side of right is total transparency. And that right is there just waiting for the information to be released so that everybody can be, you know, free and on the side of liberty. Like, I just think that that is a, like I said, like sort of false dichotomy that doesn't allow for any sort of paradox or complexity. And I just think that that is what we're dealing with in reality. Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional support water bottle, and that steamy bee treat. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com
1: slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is going by so quickly, and I had a little bit of a moment of panic about it this week. I thought to myself, I'm losing track of time. It's going so fast. It's gonna be December before I know it. My kids are growing up, and I just kind of was spinning out. And I stopped and I closed my eyes, and I pictured my last therapist, who I haven't seen since the end of 2020. But I remember the way he talked to me through these issues, and I sort of channeled his energy, I put my feet on the ground and thought, this is just how time feels now. And there's nothing wrong with that or right about it. It just is. But those skills that I learned in therapy are so important to helping me take a second to celebrate what's going right and decide what I want to adjust for the rest of the year. If you're thinking of starting therapy, which I cannot recommend enough, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Pantsuit.
0: The second most stressful thing after planning a trip is packing for it. This is true. This is a true story. I have just told you. The clothes I have don't fit. They don't go together the way I want them to or I'm missing some essential piece. And then I discovered Quince. It's my go-to for high-quality vacation essentials like this premium European linen dress that's going to get us all through the heat wherever we're traveling. Blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk, tops premium luggage options and so much more all quince items are priced 50 to 80 percent less than their similar brands by partnering directly with top factories quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us and quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes i got big plans for my quince chiffon pleated skirt in japan they like a loose flowy look over there to battle the heat i will be adopting that strategy with that skirt pack your bags with high quality essentials from quince go to quince.com slash pantsuit for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns that's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash pantsuit to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash pantsuit So do we want to talk about um, Donald Trump's immigration, new revised Immigration Order 2.0? I
1: don't think there's a whole lot to say about it because it isn't that different from the immigration order that came out the first time. It does exempt existing visa holders, which I think is important and a a good step forward. Um, Iraq has come out of the list of countries that are involved and the refugee ban has been shortened from indefinite to 120 days. I don't know how a court is going to look at that. It doesn't seem to me to address some of the concerns expressed in the Ninth Circuit's opinion uh with respect to the first order. So I guess we'll see. I'm sure that this will end up in front of another appellate court soon. I think I saw that Hawaii is already planning mm-hmm. to challenge I it. See
0: that. And I think it's interesting that they decide for the delayed rollout, I guess, his concerns about all the bad guys sneaking in within a couple of days time under our very lengthy immigration process were lessened. I also think it's interesting that they sort of signed this one bef- behind closed doors with no photos. It does, see- it does show that our system worked to a certain extent and that the very real concerns of a lot of Americans were at least... Um, addressed in a small way now that's not to say that there aren't still huge issues with this immigration order and huge issues with the trump administration's approach to immigration overall these raids the idea that john kelly is coming out and saying well i'm considering separating separating parents from their children as a deterrent the fact that there are literally veterans who served our countries overseas that are undocumented that are now being threatened with deportation these are not representative of represent representative of my values as an American. And so this idea that um, that I believe that Steve Bannon and Jeff Sessions and, and Stephen Miller in particular believe that there are sort of white Christian ethics are at, as a nation are a threat is just antithetical to everything I think that makes this country great. And whether this immigration order is less offensive, their policies that they're putting into place with regards to um, their worldview are still hugely problematic.
1: I didn't realize until I read the piece that you sent me from the New York Times about uh, Bannon and Sessions and Miller's ideology that Stephen Miller had worked for Jeff Sessions Mm. and that Jeff Sessions and Steve Bannon are kind of connected to each other pre the connection to Trump, right? And that the two of them have shared this worldview for some time and then just picked Trump as sort of their horse to advance it. And I think you're right that there is a definite philosophy at work in this order and in the overall approach to immigration. I thought it was particularly interesting how the article pointed out that because Jeff Sessions has been on board with President Trump from the very beginning of the campaign and was such an outspoken surrogate for him, he could have had his choice of cabinet appointments probably and that it was a deliberate decision to put him in the attorney general spot so that he would have the the power of the department of justice to make some of these decisions.
0: Yeah. It's just so concerning. And I think that the white house's ongoing sort of approach to leaks and, you know, they clearly didn't take our advice in the last episode or a few episodes back where we said, that's not how you fix leaks is yelling at people. Um, I thought a lot of the reporting coming out of the post, speech impact with regards to the sessions, recusing himself and um all these other developments, particularly with Trump tweeting that Obama wiretapped him was really interesting. Did you read some of the sort of anonymous, of course, on the ground reporting about his mood? (laughs) His rage. The rage and the did you see the video of Bannon like literally like pointing and yelling within the Oval Office?
1: You know, I think that this is a time for all of us to just step back and say what do I care about the most when I analyze these issues? I I don't think that any of us can see in a very clear-eyed way right now because if you're a person who is concerned and believe to your core that Hillary Clinton would have won the election but for interference from a foreign government you're going to view all of these facts in one light, right? Even the WikiLeaks information, to an extent, you could look at as further evidence of something related to your theory about the election. And on the other side, if you're a person who thinks that some sort of deep state is systematically trying to um- undermine the Trump administration, you're going to view all that in a certain light. And I think that what I've keep circling back around in my mind is that we don't have much, you know, a government is nothing but people wrapped in structures, right? And I have to start from the presumption that our intelligence community is trustworthy, because I don't know where you go in your thoughts about government if you don't start there
0: yeah and this undermining with this constant state of talk of the deep state is really bugging me like that is a term used for like egypt's military like this is not this is not what we have here. Do you have people within do you have bureaucrats within the government who probably yield more power than most Americans recognize? Sure, maybe I'll give you that. I think that the government is bigger and complex and harder to wrap your brain around, but the idea that there's just like this organized effort between the intelligence community or the military or whatever to institute a coup against Donald Trump is the craziest bananas things I've ever heard and speaks to a, to an overall outlook, conspiracy, conspiracy-laden outlook of the world that really bothers me.
1: Because these are people who make unimaginable sacrifices to keep us safe. You know, they confront moral dilemmas that most of us happily will never have to grapple with. The things that people endure... In our intelligence agencies, I I think that we owe it to ourselves and to them to give them the benefit of the doubt. I look at the information about the CIA's capabilities that came out in this leak, and I don't want them to use that power without being judicious. But I think we want them to have it, don't we? I, I know there's a hard question there about safety versus security. But I think that we do value the work that they do tremendously as it relates to foreign actors who would do us harm and domestic actors who would do us harm when that power is exercised in a way that is consistent with our judicial system and our laws. So I don't get it. If if your reaction to the WikiLeaks thing is to read that and decide that the CIA must have actually hacked the DNC and made it look like it was Russia and is now consistently undermining the president that their hack would have helped elect. I don't get you. And I'll just say that I'm breaking our no insults rule and and own the fact that I question the patriotism of someone who views the world through that prism.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, I want to talk a little bit, speaking of worldviews and approaches to stories, um, there was a lot of feedback about our book club selection in the book club episode. We talked about Arlie Hothschild's Strangers in Their Own Land, which is an amazing book in which a Berkeley professor goes and moves to deep backcountry Louisiana with the tea party for five years to try to understand their worldview. And I spoke with Megan, the founder of the Pantsy Politics Book Club. They're reading a uh, Hillbilly Elegy this month. If you want to uh, get on the fu- get on the Pantsy Politics book train. But uh we got a lot of feedback that was along the lines of like, Why do I owe it to them? Why do I have to why are they the real Americans? Why do I have to understand um where they're coming from? Bren, not North Star Bren, this is a new Bren, a female Bren, wrote back and said, um, I've tried so hard since the election to reach across the aisle and talk to people like this. But now 120 days later, I'm done. Do I condone physical or verbal aggression against these people? Of course not. But if they're not willing to see their views are truly hateful, then I don't know what else I can do. And she felt very frustrated by the idea that we have to, you know, understand and all this stuff. But I, I guess I didn't do a good enough job that I don't think that... um Never, never does Arlie Hothschild argue that they're real Americans and that we have some duty or responsibility to understand where they're coming from. But I think, you know, as a as a person who, you know, I wrote this to one of our blog commenters. Understanding is just the name of my game. Right. If I don't understand why you think the way you think, then that is it's just going to bug me. So, (laughs) I mean, it's it's my priority to always is gain as much. And as deep of understanding about other people's experiences as I can, just because those are my values and I think it makes me a better person. Do I think that Tea Party people in Louisiana are any more or less American than my best friend who lives in Manhattan? No, I don't. But I do think that they're not going anywhere. And the people that voted for Donald Trump aren't going anywhere. And we can either decide that as they have decided about many people on the other side of the spectrum that they are the enemy and that they don't understand never will understand and cannot be reasoned with or uh because they're not going anywhere neither are we we can we can decide that it is um beneficial to extend as much empathy and understanding as we can because we're all in this together that's sort of you know my overall thought process we have a a long time listener who I'm not sure he listens to the show anymore he was so angry after the election but um i just don't when when he you know we've had several exchanges in which he's sort of like you know these people i'm done with these people and i just don't i guess i just don't understand the end game like to what end they're not going anywhere neither are you so i don't really want two different united states of america i'd like it to stay one country um, primarily because I live in a red state. But um, I guess I just, as with pansu Politics, the, the name of the game isn't winning. And I think with this book, the name of the game wasn't picking a side that's right. It was just seeking to understand, not because that side has more value, but just because they're here and they have a viewpoint and it's important to understand. So uh, I know that that was a frustrating conversation for many, but I definitely recommend you read the book. Don't just take my word for it or my perspective on it.
1: Well, I want to say mad props to Megan for coming on and having the conversation with you because it's not easy to do, especially about such an intense subject. The Bryn who wrote this message to us started a Facebook group about kind of reaching across the aisle right after the election, has done some great work there. So I know that she's Sincere when she says that she's tried so hard and is struggling with this. You know, my reaction to this message was a lot of what you just said that understanding does not equal endorsement. Mm -hmm. I also think, no, you don't have to. You don't have to understand. You don't have to try. Uh, You don't have to engage with people who don't agree with you. You can feel the way the listener that you're talking about, Sarah, feels, where Uh, He's ready to kind of cast everybody who disagrees with him to the side. You know, he's had some very harsh things to say about me in those messages. And I understand where he is. So you can be where you are. Just recognize that it takes all kinds. I had this great lunch with a friend this week. And we, this guy is a, you know, he would say bleeding heart liberal. And we were talking about our differences about government. But then all the things that we share in common as far as what we think the end game is. And it it was a really fun discussion. But in the course of the discussion, we started talking about activism and how you, you really have to understand that activism takes all kinds, too. Something that I've shared with a few people since we had our discussion about the Women's March is that the same week as the Women's March, I was able to participate in some meetings and discussions where I accomplished, I think, some very significant things for women in the workplace. I don't think I would have had a seat at any of the tables that I had a seat at if anyone had a picture of me in a pink hat at one of those marches. It's just not my world, you know, and I think it would change the lens through which some people, not all, certainly not all, but some people in my world would view me and so I think we just have to, it's its you do you, right? You can read this book and really try to reach out and really try to understand or not. But I think you're right to recognize that we're all here and we're not going anywhere. And so some of us have to do that work. So if you're a person who's going to kind of issue everything that doesn't comport with your configuration of the world, great. But don't throw stones at people who take a different path Hmm. because we need those folks, too.
0: Kiara had a really great email to you about rooting for uh, Trump. Do you want to share some of that? I thought it was really great.
1: I thought it was, too. She said, I was thinking about how on the latest episode you said that you aren't rooting for Trump to fail because you have respect for the office of the president. That's actually something I've been thinking about a lot, too. But for me, I'm starting to think that I am rooting for him to fail for the same reason, because I respect the office of the presidency. The truth is, if Trump succeeds, it will inevitably send the message that it is entirely okay for the American people to elect a president who is racist, sexist, bigoted, possibly engaged in illegal activities, and not at all knowledgeable about government or world affairs. If Trump succeeds, people will see that if such a person is elected, everything will be fine. And I don't think that's okay, so I don't want that message to be sent lest he get reelected or we end up with a similar president in the future. It's the same as with President Obama, at least if we're going entirely on identity, even though I didn't agree with all of his policies. His successful presidency demonstrated that a black feminist community organizer, constitutional lawyer, could do the job relatively well. And I believe that is a great thing and fundamental to his legacy.
0: Earth Breeze eco sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra concentrated, liquidless laundry detergent. It's the best of all worlds. Earth Breeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and your skin. So it's good for sensitive skin. It reduces plastic waste. All of these things are true and amazing, but let's get to the heart of it. Y'all know I have a laundry system. You know it revolves around training children as young as possible to do their own laundry. EarthBreeze Sheets feels like they were invented for this. Because littles maybe sometimes struggle with those big heavy jugs. Or maybe you worry about the pods, but here we go. Here we go, y'all. Earth Breeze eco sheets—it's like the perfect solution. A child as young as two can handle these sheets, and even with toddlers, like you can get them involved. And this is a way to get them helping with laundry even before they could do it themselves. Ugh, God, I love it so much! Right now, our listeners can receive forty percent off Earth Breeze just by going to earthbreeze.com/pantsuit. That's earthbreeze.com/pantsuit to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim forty percent off your subscription. Earthbreeze.com/pantsuit.
1: They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code podcast15. So I thought that was a really interesting message, and I respect where Kiara is coming from. I will say that I still can't root for our president to fail because I think the country fails with the president. And I think that the messaging around the identity of our president is important. But I think that the presidency is so much bigger than the person who sits in that seat. And that the look, if the things if you if the worst set of possibilities about President Trump proved to be true That would do much more than tell people, hey, maybe we ought to elect somebody who thinks more carefully about his words and has some experience. I think it would set the office back for decades. And I know that there are people listening to this who would say it already has. Maybe so. But I just can't. For me, my best case scenario is that all of this smoke turns out to be smoke, that the administration gets it together. And that we have a stable, prosperous, peaceful four years. Do I think that that is a likely outcome? It doesn't look like it today, you know. But that is <laughs> that is absolutely what I would prefer, even if it has the consequence of making people feel like, hey, this experiment turned out okay. I would rather this experiment turn out okay than have what I think are the consequences of the opposite being true. I I can understand why people would feel differently.
0: I think that when I look at the Trump presidency and his effect on our institutions, I try to think a lot about Nixon and Watergate. And I remember a time when I thought that was so impactful that that was that the beginning of the end and when people started to distrust government and when people started to be hyper partisan and where does this really come from but i think when we look at it through sort of the singular vision of the government itself we miss how impactful the culture is and um how intertwined probably sort of in it like impossibly intertwined those two things are And what I mean is that you can't really, you know, you can't really talk about Watergate separate from the Vietnam War and you can't really talk about the Vietnam War separate from, you know, huge cultural changes with the civil rights movement and the feminist movement and all these things and how they interplayed and related to each other. And in the same way that I don't think that I think Trump is indicative of cultural changes, I don't think he in and of himself Will represent a cultural change. I think what we really don't want to admit to ourselves is that other things led to Trump, right? That it wasn't just he came in and slid past us, and now we have to deal with the fact that there's this unqualified man sitting in the White House. It's so much bigger than that. And then so many other huge things. Like I've been thinking about stranger in their own land a lot and how the line analogy is so important because it's like, Would people be more generous? The the biggest issue with the line is that it's not moving. And that is a big economic reality that I'm not really sure that we've faced with regards to its impact on our culture and our political institutions. I mean, people people are more generous when the line is moving, right? People are more generous with people gaining access to the line and people that look different and think differently than them. You know, this sort of distrust of immigrants and of those different it's not we've just invented this when people feel like the economic pie or the economic machine is not working to their advantage they start blaming people and they most often blame poor people and different people so you know all these things are so huge and so hard to think about and so intertwined i think that it is simpl- overly simplistic to think about the quote-unquote trump presidency's impact on sort of our institutions or people's views of those institutions because I just think it's bigger than the one person. I think it's so much bigger. I think the way that person gets in there is bigger than them and the impact they have is bigger than them. I think it's um the reason he got in there and the changes that our culture has on, undergone, they're not they're not going to go anywhere whether he succeeds or fails, right?
1: I had this moment this week when I was sort of processing a bunch of different things I had heard people say. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Donald Trump is not an anomaly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Just like that realization yep. fell on my head from the sky. And I think it is really important to grapple with that for all the reasons that you just mentioned. And a lot more. What the The way we think about celebrity in this country. The way that we value money and power. The language that people use and how divided people feel when folks don't sound like them, right? Or when someone Mm -hmm. um, puts on a certain type of identity that people feel is condescending or distant. There's a lot here. There's a lot that brought us here, and there is a lot that will outlast the Trump presidency. And so I, I get the sense that if you think that Donald Trump is all of the things that Kiara described... You want to show that that doesn't work. And it doesn't on a lot of levels. I also think that the presidency needs to be successful for the greater good. And I hope that we can get there.
0: Well, and I think it defi- depends on how you define success. It's not like, you know, right. successful in that he achieves his policy goals. Well, that's not going to, you know, that's like a totally different ballgame. Successful as in, in he, what, just doesn't topple our democracy.
1: Yeah, I sure hope not. I mean, to me, it's successful in that we have a strong economy, that we have a peaceful world, you know, that that our democracy does remain intact, that we can restore some confidence in institutions. I, I I would love all those things. I wanted those things for President Obama. You know, I don't like much about the Affordable Care Act. There are parts of it that I think are interesting and that could be built on. For the most part, I fundamentally disagree with it. When that happened. I stood back and said to myself, "Beth, people voted for this. He did what he said he was going to do. People voted for this. And you didn't, but you live in a country with people who did, and you have to still root for this president even if you disagree on this issue and many others because when, you know, when he made the decision about Cuba, normalizing relations with Cuba, I really disagreed with doing that via executive order, but I hoped for the success of that action, you know, and and I think that that's I don't know. That's really important to me. So Amanda
0: also wrote in about a few episodes ago. We hadn't had time to get to it till now, but I really wanted to bring it up. We had a conversation about the difference between being educated and being smart. And she said, I wonder whether when we're talking about the value of ideas, we shouldn't put a premium on expertise rather than education alone. Of course, this doesn't shed much light on the discussion a lot of us are having right now, where it seems like individuals really want their feelings to have the same values as facts. Balancing knowledge and emotion is difficult for most of us as individuals, let alone as a nation. I just love that last line so much. It's so true.
1: Well, it is so true. And I think balancing is the right word because I don't discount emotions either. Mm -hmm.
0: I think data, not direction. That's my new favorite thing. Emotions are data, not direction.
1: Yeah, I like that. And I also like the idea that anecdote isn't data and you have to. But anecdote still has value. I mean, to me, it's can you look at the whole and the parts and see them clearly for for what they are and also see the connections among them? And and for that reason, I do like the idea of thinking about expertise um, separate and apart from education, but often related. I think that's right. You just have to take it all in. And try to be wise in how you sort it out. I think it's more important to be agendalist than anything else. If you really want to understand something, being agendalist is the way to get there.
0: So hard, though. Well, we are still trying to take it all in. And we haven't gotten to all the feedback that you guys have been sending in because you you guys are a prolific in your feedback. But that's all we can tackle for today. On Tuesday's show, we will be talking about the new Republican repl- replacement plan for the American American. Wait, Affordable Care Act. I had a moment there. I was like, wait, that's not right. It doesn't start with American. The Affordable Care Act. So we hope you'll join us for that show. Thank you to Laura for becoming a subscriber and to Claire for her generous donation. As always, we have to thank our subscribers, but particularly our all-star team of Melissa, Tracy, Tracy, Ashley, Audrey, Christine, Nicolette, Paige, Sydney, and Priya.
1: We'll be back with you on Tuesday to talk about the Affordable Care Act and repeal and replacement thereof. Until then, keep it nuanced, y'all.
0: Thank you to our producer, Nicholas Holland, and to our chief creative officer, Dante Lima, for all the work they do to make Pantsuit Politics possible. And to all of you for making this community so special. Remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Pantsuit Politics, or Instagram at Pantsuit Politics. Please leave us your feedback and send us your ideas for show topics and Pantsuit Primers on social media, or you can email us at sarah at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com or beth at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com.